Hey, 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 welcome back to the Yay for Business podcast. It is me, your host, Courtney Shaw. This is episode 46, 46 episodes. Wow, cannot believe we've made it this far. Today, I'm going to be talking about a topic that is going to be very tangibly valuable to you in your sales, which is overcoming potential clients and customers' objections to working with you. Let's dive on in. As a copywriter, as a lover of psychology and human motivation and language, this whole topic around not just, okay, how to write great copy or how to do this or how to do that, like we've been talking about earlier this month, is not just what I'm obsessed with, right? I like to really go deeper into the psychology aspect of why do people do what they do? What makes someone enroll in my program or not? And that, I think, is the foundation of what is going to make for excellent copy, marketing, messaging, sales, etc. And if you can master the psychology of it, that's going to empower you to do all the little technical strategy things like write great emails and social media posts and sales pages and webinars, etc. And so, What we're going to talk about today in terms of overcoming objections is much more deeply the psychology underlying what is making someone decide, do I hire this person? Do I enroll in this course or not? And so in essence, an objection is really just the reason um, or reasons somebody gives for not enrolling in your program, okay? So objections can get this really negative connotation. And if you kind of feel a little bit turned off by the idea of overcoming objections, then let's just think about it as addressing the reasons people give for not working with you. (laughs) Let's just make it much more neutral language, okay? And we're going to talk about some of the objections you might have to overcoming objections, and I'm going to hopefully be able to overcome those objections. Um, But first, what I want to do is establish two rules I have for approaching sales. And I think that if you have these two rules in place as your foundation, as how you approach sales, then you are naturally going to avoid being a pushy, sleazy, annoying salesperson. And I really think that's why so many of us feel weird about the concept of overcoming objections, because that just that term can feel a little bit manipulative. And it doesn't have to be. We don't have to approach it that way. But I think we've all had experiences that were negative where either um, we were being sold to or maybe we like felt like we had to sell in a certain way and we just haven't learned the nuance of how to sell in a much more freeing, um, like just natural, authentic kind of way that just feels like it's good for everybody. Okay, so here are my two rules. And if you take nothing else away from this podcast episode, this is what I want you to write down. Okay, number one. Always approach sales from a place of service. Always approach sales from a place of service. In other words, stop worrying about if the person's going to buy from you and I need money and all of that, the desperation of what am I going to get and focus instead on how you can help this person, what you can give. In other words, how you can be of service to that person. All right. So 
This requires that even if you do desperately need the money, which, you know, we need to work on that. We can talk about money mindset and we have a whole podcast episode on that. Even if you do really need the money, that we let go of that and we always approach it from, hey, I'm here to try to help this person out. Because if you don't, if you approach it from a place of desperation, a place of what can I get and how can I make this sale instead of how can I be of service to this human being, then that energy is going to be very perceptible on the on the behalf of of the person that you're selling to. And the second that someone feels like they're being sold to, they will shut down. Okay. Um, And this happens a lot. People, the second it's like that flag goes up, oh my God, I'm being sold to, they shut down. It's a defense mechanism. It's natural. We all do it. um, And we don't want to trigger that in our clients. Okay. So we don't want to be pushy. That's rule number one. Rule number two is Always approach sales from a place of detachment. Okay, so rule number one is about a place of service. Rule number two is about a place of detachment. It is game changing to have a sales conversation of any sort with the energy of, it doesn't matter to me if this person buys or not. I just want to be here to help them make the right decision for them. I just want to make sure that they're not making the decision based on misconceptions and falsehoods and limiting beliefs and fears. I want to make sure they're making this decision based on if this truly is the right thing for them to do, okay? And so I'm going to do my best to do that. And it's okay if they say no. This is really hard at first, I understand. So just work on this little by little. One great way to start working on this is when you do get a client inquiry and someone's like, yeah, I'd love to work with you. Don't count that as sold until the money is in your bank account. (laughs) I think a lot of us, we mentally, we see a lead and then our brain goes, okay, now you've got to turn that lead into a client or turn that lead into a, a course, you know, participant or student. And if we don't, if that person decides ultimately, no, this isn't the right fit for me, we feel like we failed when in actuality, they were never sold in the first place and it's okay. And most people are not going to buy from you and it is not a failure on your part if they don't. So I realize this is a maybe unexpected, strange way to be positioning a podcast episode about overcoming objections because again, people assume that overcoming objections is about convincing people to buy your thing. It is not. And that's why so many of us have objections about overcoming objections, which is why I'm trying to overcome your objections about overcoming objections. Deep breath. (laughs) Okay. So we want to come from a place of being of service and detached from the outcome because that is the only energy that is going to be of the best interest of all parties involved. And if your offer is truly a great fit for that person, then that person will buy your offer. And we want to make sure that we're not like having coming from that place of lack of, oh my God, they're not going to buy. I'm never going to get another client again. There's no more leads. We have to let go, even if we really, really, truly desperately need that money. Okay. I know that you might have some past negative experiences with salespeople and overcoming objections. And so you really don't want to be like that. Uh, Maybe a salesperson told you that you don't take your business seriously enough if you don't enroll in their program. That is just, that is just 
not true. And like, ew, ew on them, shame on them for doing that to you. But that person was not a good salesperson. Okay. And fortunately, they showed their true colors so that you hopefully said no to that. And if you said yes to that, it's because you were, you were manipulated, right? And we don't want that. So we, we want to also just be making sure that we, when we're going through sales processes of other people's businesses, like in terms of like we're the ones being sold to, that we're being discerning about, you know, does it feel like this person is really genuinely, do they really genuinely have my best interest at heart? Or are they just trying to sell me on their thing at any cost and like shaming me into doing so? Please avoid all that kind of stuff. It's just awful. And it's an indicator of what's to come inside of that business if you are to work with that business. We always want to respect someone for saying no. We want to understand why they're saying no. And I'll often say something like, hey, just out of curiosity, like this is not a sales question. It's really just a market research question. You know, what is it that, you know, made you decide not to enroll in this program? And you want to, again, you want to disarm them because if they feel like you're asking a question just so that you can convince them to buy your thing, then they're not going to want to talk to you. And rightfully so. None of us would respond well to that. Okay. So when someone says, no, I'm not going to buy this thing, that's not a challenge being issued to you. That's the end. <laughs> that's the end of, of the sort of sales process in a sense. That doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. In fact, what I just gave you was an example of how I often will continue conversations with people after they've said, hey, no, this isn't a right fit for me. And sometimes that ends up leading to them enrolling, which we actually um, we actually have a client right now. When they were in our sales process, they were they said, hey, look, it's just this program looks great. I just don't have the money. It's not the right time. It's a no for me. And I said, totally fine. Like, I absolutely respect that. Um, But I didn't want that to be the end of the conversation because I want to still be of service to that client and be detached from the fact whether they enroll in my program or not, right? So here's what that looked like is I said, hey, like, no worries at all. Can we just talk a little bit more about your goals, right? Like maybe there's something I can do to help you in the chat right now, even if you're not going to enroll in the program. And I asked that question and then they started to talk themselves in to enrolling in the program. I didn't do anything and I didn't do this so that they would do that. I want to be really clear. I didn't, I didn't like steer the conversation away so that they would enroll. I steered the conversation away from the enrollment conversation so that I could still be of service to this person. And ultimately, in the, that conversation, they literally, within a 10-minute span, talked themselves into enrolling in the program and enrolled in the program. And we're talking a high-ticket program, okay? So it just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it was happening. But at the same time, I also knew the magic of truly being of service and truly being detached from the outcome and knowing that this person made this decision because they knew it was right for them. And I was just there to be supportive of whatever that decision was, okay? Overcoming objections requires emotional intelligence. It's the ability to empathize with other people. It is not the ability to convince people of something or to change their minds. That is not what we're doing. It shouldn't even be obvious that you are, quote unquote, overcoming an objection. That's clumsy and it's unnatural and it feels like you're being sold to. The second that someone discerns that they're being sold to, they shut down. Remember, so we don't want to be like, you said this, here's my rebuttal. Like, that's not what we're doing. All right. Here's the thing. This is why it's important that we learn how to overcome objections. 
The objections or reasons, again, let's lighten that, the reasons that people give you for not enrolling in your program or hiring you for your service are often not based on truth. They're based on misconceptions, negative past experiences, fears, limiting beliefs. They could be based on just like any one of those things, just a, a drama over data, essentially. And you know, if you listen to my podcast, you know that I talk about data over drama all the time. And so humans are not always or even often rational, logical beings. And so we have to learn, and this is where the emotional intelligence comes in, we have to learn to notice when somebody is making a decision based on a fear or a misconception or something that is not of service to them. Again, we're not there to change their mind. We're there to help them, if they're going to say no, it's fine. We just want to make sure they're saying no based on the facts, not based on the fears. Okay. So we want to make sure it's about the data, the facts, not the drama, the fears, or the feelings, um, because that's not of service to them. And we want to make sure that they're making decision in terms of like what's of service and what's best for them. So that said, that's like really the foundation I wanted to give you. And that was me overcoming your objection to overcoming objections. Um, did you feel sold to? Did you feel like I was manipulating you? I hope not. If so, let me know. Um, but I hope that just felt like me sort of re- reframing and repositioning what this is actually about, not your fears and misconceptions about what overcoming objections is. And there are people who overcome objections in shitty, sleazy, manipulative ways. I just want to be clear, that's not what I teach and that's not what we're talking about here in this podcast episode or inside of our program, Yay for 100K. So let's move into probably what you came to this episode for, which is let's talk about some common objections and how you might address those objections. And obviously there's not going to be specifics here. You'll have specific objections to your um, offerings, but these are sort of the overarching umbrella themes that most objections can fit into. Okay. So the first objection that I see a lot is the I'm not ready objection. Okay. So, um, actually the, the client I just told you about who talked themselves into enrolling had that objection of I'm too new. I'm not ready yet. And so what we want to do in a situation of I'm not ready is we want to, we want to step back and notice something. I'm not ready doesn't give us any information other than how the potential client is summarizing their experience, right? It doesn't tell us anything. So we take that as face value. This client believes they're not ready. But just because someone says, I'm not ready, doesn't mean they're not ready. And there are people who will chronically, and again, I'm not, this is not shaming them. I've done this, (laughs) who will chronically be like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And sometimes this can be a form of, you know, protecting themselves from failure, some form of perfectionism, what have you. Like, we're not here to like break down their psychoanalyze them, but we don't know the facts. So what we want to do here is say, is ask them like, oh, okay, you know, can you tell me what's making you say that? You know, let's drill in a little bit more. Let's ask questions. And that's a great tip just overall is to ask questions. You know, what's making you say that you're not ready? The other thing you could do is instead of addressing what the language they've said, is you can steer the conversation towards the facts. So in our case, in the A400K, someone might say, I'm not ready. And I can say, it's totally okay if you, you know you don't feel like you're ready. Um, I would love to know, uh, where are you at in your business right now? And then they'll tell me a little bit more actual facts and details and specifics about the situation versus this overarching 
thing that they've decided, which is I'm not ready, okay? And usually when we do that, I can elicit sort of a more complete belief, which might be something like, you know, um, I've only worked with three paying clients and because, you know, one of them was actually my friend, that means that I haven't worked with enough clients to be ready for your program, which means I'm not ready. Okay. So when we we get to the details, which are, I've only worked with three clients. One of them was a friend. First of all, I'm like, who cares? It was a friend. They paid you. Like, it doesn't matter. I work with friends. Um, a lot of people work with friends. I would say, that's so great that you've already worked with three paying clients, right? Then we want to focus on reframing. They've taken that that data, right? Which is, I've worked with three paying clients. They've added a bunch of judgment on it. I've only worked with three paying clients, so I'm not ready. Whereas I would say, that's so amazing. You've already gotten three paying clients. You are well on your way. I would say like you're ready when you decide to be ready, but based on that data, that does not tell me you're not ready, right? So we want to address that, okay? Um, Dig deeper. What makes you say you're not ready? And they might give you the same information from that question, all right? So there's an example of the I'm not ready for this one. The next objection that comes up a lot in this one, this is probably the one that everybody wants to talk about, is I can't afford it. I don't have the money. The price is too high. Any form of that, right? Um, It's just the money. It's the money. I need, you know, we get a lot of times like, I need to book another client before I enroll in the program. All right. So so this is some form of like, I can't afford it. 80% of the time, and this is my sort of like, this is not real data, okay? This is my, you know, coaching generalization. 80% of the time, that's not a fact, okay? People say, I can't afford it. Um, It really, what that means, what that's code for in most situations, not all, most situations in my experience is you have not sold me on the value of this at your current price point. (laughs) Like, I cannot justify this investment at that price point based on what I perceive to be the results that I'm going to get. It's just not worth it to me, okay? So a lot of times I can't afford it is code for it's not worth it. Now, this person might say, your program looks great. It looks awesome. If I had the money, I'd enroll. They might say all that stuff, okay? So you think, awesome, my program's great. It's great. Your program is great. Your coaching is great. Your offer is amazing. But if you're hearing this, and you will hear this objection a lot, like no matter what, you're gonna hear this objection a lot, that's okay. We're not trying to eliminate this. If you're hearing this objection and you're not getting sales, what I want to, this is a harsh reality, okay? But what I want you to know is that there's something missing in your messaging that is getting people to sort of like hit them in the gut and go, oh my God, I need this. And it's worth it at this price point, okay? And we actually just had, I'm very excited about this. We did a really powerful um, coaching call a, a couple of weeks ago. We had one client in particular who was really struggling with this. She had amazing capability in her in her work. Um, she had had lots of training. She had really some great marketing and messaging and copy, but like wasn't converting the clients. And we knew it was because the positioning wasn't quite nailed down. And she was really frustrating and a little bit resistant to some of that. We did coaching with her on one of our coaching calls. That was, I think, two weeks ago as of the time of this recording. And she just posted in our Facebook group today that in the last 24 hours, she has sold three clients. And I think the price point is like 3000 uh, Canadian dollars. She's in Canada. 
And so that, if I remember correctly, that's $9,000 sold in 24 hours based on being able to tweak that messaging. Okay. So otherwise she would have kept getting the, I can't afford it thing. And she might've thought, oh, I need to decrease the price. No, I can't afford it is code for something's missing in your messaging. Okay. Something's missing, something's missing in your positioning. All right. So 20% of the time, I want you to know, it is true that someone factually is just like, I don't have it in the budget. I can't afford it right now. That is totally fine. Again, we're not trying to tell people if you don't find the money and do this, then you're like, that's, that's just silly. That's just not, it's nonsensical. It's not true. But but we do want to address the fact that a lot of times people use that phrase, I can't afford it. And they won't they won't consciously be like, oh, I'm going to tell them this, but you know, really it's just the value. They think it's that as well. Uh, we have to be savvy enough to dig deeper into that. All right. Okay. The next objection that comes up a lot is I don't have the time. All right. Um, so what can be behind this belief or this objection is the belief that A, this is going to take me a lot of work. So they're just all they're seeing in your sales messaging is just like how much work they're going to have to do. Or they just assume that solving the problem that you're going to help them solve and getting the result is going to require a lot of work. Um, a lot of times in our program, what happens is people say this and I'm like, well, if you don't have the time, but you're not getting the results, then you're not spending your time very wisely in your business. Our program is literally going to teach you what you should be doing in your business to get results. So if you don't have time to implement it, but you're not getting the results, the way you're spending your time right now is messed up. And guess what? The first thing we do in our program is have you do a time tracker and we analyze your time and we can poke some holes in where you are not being effective with your time. Okay. So I love that I don't have time thing because um, it's literally evidence that they need the program even more. And oftentimes it's, I don't have time because I'm so busy with clients. And it's like, okay, well, then you're clearly not charging enough. And that's what we would help you with. But like, you need to decide if you want to grow your business or if you want to continue on this spiral of not having the time. Okay. Um, it can also be just this misconception of it's going to take a lot of time. So how can we talk to them about how much time it's actually going to take to work with you and help them to kind of see how that would work in their schedule? All right. The other thing with I don't have the time is it can also be code for I'm not convinced of the value of the program, right? Because if I can see like, wow, that result is just something I really want, then I'm usually willing to make the time and put in the time to make that happen. So we want to make sure that, um, again, 80% of the time, this is factually not true. They don't have the time because they're not making the time. 20% of the time, it's true. They don't have the time. Maybe maybe they have a full-time job. They're taking care of, you know, sick parents. They've got kids. Some, you know, they've got something going on that they really do have limited time. I'm not saying it's never true, but we just want to take it at face value and dig a little bit deeper and make sure that they are not just saying that, but we're understanding, is that true or not? Or like, how can we reposition that or reframe that? Because you do need to spend time to get the results. So do you want to continue going down the same path forever? Or do you want to make time to make this change so that you can get this result? Okay, next objection that comes up a lot, this this one we get a lot. I'm going to give you a different example that's not our business for this one, um, but this one we get a lot, which is I need to do X first before I, I work with you, all right? So how I like to address this one or one way of doing this is to really show them the consequences of trying to do something else first is really delaying their results. And what they're thinking, what they're doing is thinking like, 
I can't get results until I do this other thing first. And sometimes it's something that you literally are going to do with them, but they just think, you know, I've had people with um, our past program, Yay for Clients, where they would say, oh, I need to niche down before I do this program. I was like, but the literally the program is, entire program is about helping you niche. Like you don't have to do anything. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? Or with Yay for 100K, I need to get clients before I enroll in this program. I'm like, but that's what we're going to do. Like, so a lot of times they think they need to do the thing that you teach them before they work with you. I think this is a very common thing. Um, and it's kind of the fear of not being, uh, you know, good at it when you start or like, you know, looking silly or I, you know, I need a foundation so I can get results or I need to figure it out by myself first kind of thing. So um, let's say, for example, that you're a personal trainer and a potential client says to you that, you know, before I hire a personal trainer, I just want to make sure that I have like a baseline of fitness. Like I have, I'm, you know, I'm going from couch to, you know, working out and I'd really like to establish a baseline of fitness before I hire a personal trainer because it feels really extreme to go from no exercise to like hiring a personal trainer. And so we want to dig into that because that's just a feeling. It feels extreme, right? It feels like a lot. So here's, here's what you could say. You could say, you know what? That's a really common misconception that people have. And in my experience, it's more likely to keep you stuck because you have this feeling like you have to figure it out on your own first. Have you considered how many times you've told yourself that you're going to start a new exercise routine or habit and it still hasn't happened yet? Like if you were going to do that, you probably would have done it already. And also, who says you know, according to who, that you have to get a baseline of fitness first. What if it's actually more efficient so that I, as a personal trainer, would help you to do that in the way that is going to set you up for the most success? What I find is that the thing that kickstarts a real powerful, healthy exercise habit is having the trainer from the beginning to guide you. You don't need to be in shape before working with me. It's my job to help you get there. Okay. So that's how you could overcome that. And you could take out getting in shape and exercise for any other type of result, right? Um, and say basically the same thing. The next objection, and I've got a few more, right? These are, this is so good because I am so excited to be giving you guys these examples. All right, this is one we also get a lot, which is, I, you know what, like your program looks great, but I'm trying to decide if I need to instead hire a one-on-one -on -one coach. Like I think I need one-on-one, -on -one, not a program. So we get this one a lot. I'm going to do some objection overcoming of my own right now on why I think this is total malarkey. Um, there's this idea that one-on-one -on -one coaching is – inherently more valuable than group coaching because people make this assumption that in one-on-one -on -one you get more personal attention, which thus leads to better results, right? There's a lot of assumptions at play there. Um, and none of that is true. People have a fear that they're not going to get that attention, feedback, or accountability. And I do not see that at all in my actual experience. The truth that I find is that a group coaching program has many benefits that a one-on-one -on -one coaching program does not. Many one-on-one -on -one coaches are not super well streamlined and packaged with their services, which means they're kind of being reactive to individual client needs, which can end up being kind of messy. All right. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it can be messy um, versus having a really clear and proven program to follow. 
So for example, in Yay for 100K, I know for a fact that if we were doing one-on-one work, which we would never do at this price point, the program would be like at least three times as expensive, which people, I mean, I'm actually people wouldn't pay for that, but it just would be so uninteresting for me to offer it that way. Um, but also if you took away the group element that I'm thinking our Facebook group, our weekly uh, coaching calls, um, the other workshops that we do, uh, our conference, just all the group things. I think it would make the program half as valuable because we could give you, you know, a one-on-one call. We could give you critiques on your work, but you would be absolutely missing the magic that is being in a group of people who are all going through the program, other people asking questions that you didn't even think to ask, um, getting to know other entrepreneurs. A lot of our clients, and this isn't just my program, this is every group program I've ever been in become really good friends. They support each other's businesses. They hire each other. None of that would happen in one-on-one coaching, right? And so for us, we also know that like we're actually giving our clients more one-on-one attention than most one-on-one coaches, but because it's in the container of a group program, there's this misconception that they're getting less attention, which is just factually not true. Um, so that is one that I've been working to overcome. I just worked on that a little bit right here. You might have had that misconception. And so what I can do is I can, you know, do what I just did, which is sort of show how that's not true. Um, I also can share testimonials from clients who are saying this is so much better than hiring a one-on-one coach, right? Um, so there's different ways of going about that. All right, next test or next testimonial. Next uh, objection is I'm already in another program. I need to finish that first. Or I've done other programs. I haven't, or so I'm taking a break. Um, or I have another coach, so I can't do this. And I used to take this at face value, like, oh, you're in another program. Okay, all right, yeah, we'll wait. And now I'm like, wait a second. Let's question the underlying logic of this. Who says you can only be in one program or have one coach at a time? Now, maybe you have an experience of overbuying courses and not following through, but that doesn't thus mean that you can only be in one course at a time. What that means is, all that means is, in the past, you have bought several courses and not finished them. It means I cannot be in multiple courses in the future is is using the past to predict the future and is utterly unhelpful. So this is like saying I can only read one book at a time. I literally probably am reading 27 books at any given time. And while reading one book at a time or having one program at a time or one coach at a time might work for some people, um, it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. And I would argue that most of the people who think that's working for, they might benefit from having multiple um, multiple programs or multiple coaches. And it's definitely shouldn't be a hard and fast rule. I personally love to be, I'm in two, at least two high ticket programs. No, I'm in three. I'm in three high ticket programs right now uh, with different coaching. And this helps me to synthesize things from different programs. So one of the programs is about my sort of overall business model and growth and sales and, you know, growing my business. One of them is more about operations and streamlining my business. And one of them is about very specific marketing for growth of visibility for my business. I need to do all of those things. And I'm getting value out of all of those programs. And in fact, actually, someone on my team going through one of the programs. I'm not even going through the program, right? Um, So I just want to make sure we're questioning that. Can you really only be in one program at a time? 
Where is that coming from? It's usually coming from either past, I didn't finish things. Okay, well, let's address that then instead of like deciding you're not allowed to do this ever again because that's just self-punishing. Um, also, I don't think I've ever finished a course in my life. I don't think I've ever gotten all the way through an online course until it ended and then was like, okay, I did the whole course. Like I get what I need out of a program. I move on. So this sort of like self-punishment around um, I'm not allowed to be in other things or I can only invest in one thing at a time is is just silly. I don't want you to waste your money. I don't want you to just spend and not implement. Like let's address that if that's happening, but let's not pendulum swing totally in the opposite direction because that's not healthy either. Okay, the final objection I want to address because it is maybe the most common is some form of this won't work for me because of X reason, because I'm unique in this way. And sometimes I call this the special snowflake (laughs) um, objection. Here's the truth, though. We all do this. I do this. Uh, we worry, I worry that, okay, this, will this program work for me in my situation? You know, I'm unique because of X, Y, or Z, and I don't know if this program is going to, you know, it worked for that person, but what about me? I'm different. I'm, you know, it could be I'm inherently flawed. I, You know, it worked for them, but I don't follow through and, you know, all of this. One great way of overcoming this objection, A, drill down. Like, what is it specifically that makes you think you're not going to, like, that that's going to be a problem? Because then you can really get to the heart of the matter. Um, If it's a really a feeling of I'm inherently flawed, so things don't work for me like they work for other people, that's a really unhelpful belief. How can you ever make progress if you're never willing to grow because you have that belief, all right? Um, But another way is to actually share testimonials and screenshots of clients who have had similar details. Um, You know, someone might say, you know, I I don't want to enroll because I can't make it to your weekly coaching calls. Oh, okay. Well, we have a lot of clients who can't come to the weekly coaching calls. We take questions in advance. We record the calls and we timestamp the recordings so that you literally can just go on the video the next day and watch our coaching on your question, right? And then every so often you could maybe, you know, wake up really early or something to come to a coaching call. Um, But we've got clients all over the world. And so let's not let that be an excuse for not being able to to get results. Um, So we'll, we'll share screenshots or Uh, stories about other clients who have had a similar situation um, and got great results. Now, if you don't have testimonials and stories to share, don't make that a limiting belief. Like, oh, I can't do that because I don't have testimonials. That's okay. Um, Here's how I could address the objection here of like, you know, you know, again, the objection is this won't work for me because of X. So I don't think I can get in shape or I don't think I can exercise regularly because I don't have access to a gym. All right. So again, the personal trainer example. No worries. I've designed my training program to work for you, whether you work out at a gym with loads of weights at your disposal or at home with no gym equipment at all. It doesn't matter. Don't let not having a gym be a reason that you don't take action to start enjoying the immense benefits of regular exercise. And then, you know, obviously you want to be clear about what those benefits are. Um, And then here's the thing. And this is a great one. Anything like this is a great thing to create little bonuses around. So I added this. I even have a bonus guide for you on how to establish an at-home workout routine because I know this is a common thing that people struggle with. It's not just you. You could say like, I had such and such client that struggled with that and this is how we helped her to get in a routine or, or whatever. 
Uh, This bonus covers things like how to choose your workout environment for success, how to habit stack to make working out at home automatic for you, and the three essential habits of people who successfully work out from home. So what you're showing is like, not only is this not a problem, but like I've literally baked into my coaching or my program a thing that specifically addresses this so you know that this isn't like an excuse, like this is going to work for you. So this is, by the way, little hint, this is how we decide to create bonuses, is by listening to these objections and going, hey, let's create a bonus around that. So I want to remind you, your goal is not to convince someone to buy from you. Your goal is to support the potential client and seeing the truth of why they're not enrolling or hiring you um, so that they're not doing so based on assumptions and misconceptions. So where are we overcoming objections? You don't need to wait until someone is literally in the sales process making a decision and explicitly says, hey, I have this objection. That's by that point, it's late. (laughs) Like we can do it, but it is too late. Overcoming objections starts way earlier than that in your marketing, your content, et cetera, all conversations you're having. I'm doing it in this episode right now. So your free content. All of your content should be overcoming objections through um, just being helpful and supportive because overcoming objections is valuable, right? Um, Sometimes it's going to be a little bit indirect. What are some misconceptions people have about the work you do? What beliefs are preventing them from getting results? These are things that you can address in your free content that will be helpful. Create content around these things. For example, people say to us, I know a lot of people in our audience have the objection of, you know, services, like offering one-on-one services is too much work. So I'm just going to create a course. So I create a lot of content around why that's not correct. All right. Um, Because I want, by the time someone is like thinking about enrolling, first of all, they won't even think about enrolling in EA400K if they have that objection. And I want to make sure by the time they're thinking about enrolling in EA400K, it's not an objection anymore. Almost every single one of my podcast episodes, Instagram posts, et cetera, is in some way preemptively overcoming objections. And this is literally what we teach in in Yay for 100K. We teach you our five by five content matrix for generating content ideas. And it's based on making sure you're not just creating how-to content for your audience, but you're creating content that is literally going to set up your potential clients to be ready to enroll and overcome objections before the sales conversation even happens. Another place you can overcome objections is in your freebie or opt-in offer. We teach our clients to create what we call a power opt-in that outlines their signature framework and really sells their clients on their signature framework. In this power opt-in, they're also untangling some misconceptions and mistakes people have and objections that may prevent them from enrolling in their program or working with them months down the line. So we don't wait, and again, until they're at the point of sale. We start overcoming objections from day one. Now, The next place you're going to be overcoming objections is in any sales content you have. So specifically with launching a course that's going to be in your webinar or your launch content, promoting your launch, your actual webinar, not just the sales pitch of your webinar, but the whole webinar should be overcoming objections from slide number one. Okay, your emails, even promoting the webinar should be overcoming objections. And so that is not just like, oh, it's time to overcome objections. Here's the five objections people have. Let me address them. It's constant. It's woven through everything that you do. 
And then finally, of course, is the point of sale is whether that's like private DMs with clients like we do, uh, sales calls, whatever it is that you do. This is the most obvious place, but it's the last place. Like I, like I said, you will be overcoming objections at that point, but we want to make sure that we've done everything we can before that point to overcome as many objections as possible. All right. This was a really juicy podcast episode. I hope it was mind-blowing for you, honestly. I, I, ha- I have high expectations. So please let me know um, what you found. What was like the one tidbit that you found the the most helpful or the biggest takeaway that you can take forward? Obviously, you know, overcoming specific objections, but I would just love to know how has this shifted the way that you overcome objections? Come on over to Instagram, send me a little DM at Courtney Shaw and let me know because I love engaging with you. I want to hear. It really helps me to really like stay engaged with my audience and with this topic and keeps me inspired and creating great content is really for me engaging with all of you. So please send me a DM at Courtney Shaw. Let me know. I hope this was really powerful for you. You're going to listen to it again. Um, And I will see you next week in uh, episode 47, where we're going to be talking about your copywriting process. So again, we're going to be doing our um, copywriting workshop inside of VA 400K this upcoming very soon. And I want to make sure that you have time to enroll in Yay400K before that workshop because this workshop is exclusive for our clients. So make sure to go over to CourtneyShaw.com forward slash apply so that you can get your application and it takes like 2.5 minutes to send in your application. Um, we want to make sure that you're able to enroll before that workshop. And then if you, even if you can't come live, as long as you're a client, you will have access to the recording of that workshop. Um, and we're really going to be doing a veritable masterclass in how to become a world-class copywriter for your business. So thank you so much for joining me and I will chat with you next week. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you love today's content and are ready to finally start making a full-time income from your business this year, make sure to get on the wait list for my program, Yay for Clients, over at yayforclients.com and you'll be notified the next time enrollment is open. Or if you're already booked with clients and you want to learn how you can turn your signature service into a signature program and add 100K of revenue to your bottom line, come apply to my group coaching program, Yay for 100K, over at courtneyshawl.com forward slash apply. Thanks again and have an awesome day.